Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. We are super excited today to introduce our guest to have Elder Vi Sikahem of the Quorum of the Seventy here in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and his wife Kayla with us today. We love this couple. Uh, they're dear friends of ours and we're so grateful that they would take the time to be with us today. Elder Sikahema received a Bachelor of Arts degree in Broadcasting and Communications from BYU in 2002. He served in many church callings, including full-time missionary in the South Dakota Rapid City Mission, a young men's president, a bishop, a counselor in a mission presidency, and then a stake president. Now, presently, he serves as a member of the Quorum of the Seventy. You may be interested to know two fun facts, one that Vi uh, played on the BYU Cougars National Championship team in 1984. In fact, he ran a key punt return back in that incredible victory over SMU back in the 1980 Holiday Bowl that kind of kicked off, or at least started to give the Cougars some momentum in that game. He was also the first Tongan to play in the NFL, playing running back and kick returner for eight seasons. He began his career as a professional American football player, as played for the Arizona Cardinals, Green Bay Packers, and Philadelphia Eagles. In 1994, Vi began working as a sports anchor and then a news anchor in 2013 for NBC10 in Philadelphia until his retirement in 2020. When they were freshmen at BYU, Vi had the good fortune of meeting Keala Heater. Keala is uh, from Hawaii and uh, grew up there with her family. Keala's mother died when Keala was 13 years of age, and so Keala very early in her life, had to go right to work to help uh, help her family. And so I believe at the age of 13 or 14, Kelly, you started working at the Polynesian Cultural Center in a day and in an era where they only hired students at BYU-Hawaii. So you got an early start there. Um, Kayla and Vi were married in 1984. They have four children and 13 grandchildren. Kayla has been a stake young women's president, a ward relief society president, a primary president in the ward, and maybe the most significant of all, she taught early morning seminary for five years. And we have a great appreciation for that because five of our, our five oldest children uh, went to seminary in McKinney, Texas at 5.30 in the morning. And uh, hats off to all early morning seminary teachers out there. Elder and... Sister Sikihima, we're so grateful that you're here with us today. We are so excited. We drove all the way down from Salt Lake. We're so excited. I, you, you pulled a handcart from Salt Lake is what I heard. <laughs> I, I pushed and she pulled. <laughs> well, I'm so, we're so grateful that you're here and that you would take time with us today. And so for those who are listening, this week is an interesting historical anniversary. We're going to have BYU's 40th bowl game. And Elder Sikahema, it just so happens that one of those, that first uh, win, that first bowl game win in 1980, yeah. you happened to be a freshman on the BYU football team that year. I was. Where were you, hon? I was. You were back home in Hawaii. You were oh. probably in. Well, I wanted to know. Uh, yeah, school. so I wanted to know if you guys were dating that freshman year. 
yet, or does that come later? It comes later. She I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. She was a sophomore. I think you were a freshman in high school. I was a freshman at BYU, and you were a freshman in and high school. And we're three years apart. Um, yeah, so I, I was here. You know, I just turned. I turned just turned eighteen my, that fall, and and um, you know, here with. By the way, let me just state this for the record: that nineteen eighty class. Yes. Of um, and you and you had a son that came to BYU much much later than I did. Right. But I'm I'm telling you, look it up. That nineteen eighty class. I think, and, I, and I'm not even including myself in that class. If, if if just so, just remove me. It's the greatest class that BYU has ever gotten on campus. Steve Young was in our class. That's what made. Me. I have so. I have no doubt about that. I have no <laughs> doubt about that. In fact, I will tell you that I was a non-member in eleventh grade, coming home from a high school basketball game and watching the second half of that game on my friend's dad's bed. You know, we we all just kind of laid and watched it. But what do you? What's your? What do you? Are you talking uh, about the SMU game? The BYU SMU yeah. game, 1980 Holiday Bowl. What? What is one of the things you remember? So <clears throat> Lavelle called me in his office one day and said, "I want you. Um, you're going to start traveling with the team, and you're going to you're going to be returning punts and kicks." I said, "Yeah, fine." You know, to me, it was like it was like my my uh, my part time job, right? Because I was here to be the starting running back, and I thought, well, okay, you know, I'm freshman a good start for me to return punts and kicks because eventually I'll take over be the main running back um, but I was really good at that one thing returning punts and kicks and so I, I came up and started returning punts and I did really well and um, and Lavelle just really trusted me even though I was a freshman and by the way you know this because you're you're a football dad um, they don't head coaches like their jobs and they often are reluctant to have a freshman do that job because it's so critical so right? critical and, and and the ball would turn over you know it's a lie it's been the punts it's a live ball and so you have to make critical decisions in split seconds so you have to decide do i catch it do i have room to catch it and run should i fair catch it or should i let it drop and hit and roll if you're inside you know, on the 10 yard line but if you let it hit on the 50 and roll you could end up you know, another 30 yards. So there's, you know, it, there's that. That's that's a lot to, for a 17, For a freshman to process kid. while the ball's in the air, yeah, right? You're making exactly. all these decisions. And the other thing is this. So how long is a, is a punt uh, hang time? Five, six seconds. Okay, and, and how fast are the guys that run down and cover 40? 4. 4.4 or 5 seconds? Yeah, so, so they get down there about the same time the ball does normally. Right. Or they get there before the ball gets there. And so you got to factor all that in too, like uh, you know, do I have room? Do I, you know? So it, it's 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 a lot for a, you know, for a kid to, for an eighteen year old to process. Process, and then in a big game like that, but you run an eighty three yard yard yeah. return back. But one of the things that I remember about that game, you know, so I so we're we get behind quickly. Uh, SMU just was mauling us, and second half we're down, I think twenty nine to six. We scored one touchdown, um, and and then missed the extra point, I think. Um, and, and they punt to us. And I remember one of the, one of the things that they teach you that you learn early in returning punts is if the ball bounces and you're behind it, get out of the way. And we had a call. I don't know who came up with it, but somebody decided that the call was Peter. Don't ask me why. Peter, 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 Peter. And, and everybody hears Peter. Get, get away. out of the way. Scramble, get out of the way. Cause the ball is shaped funny. And if it bounces and hits you in the leg, 
as it sometimes does, they, you know, the other team jumps on it and it's their ball. Right. The ball is punted and it, and I'm way back, and it hits the ground. And instead of bouncing left to right or forward or backwards, it goes straight up into the air. But I don't call Peter because that split second I thought, I'm going to run up and catch it on the run, which you shouldn't be doing. Um, and I did. And I remember the moment I caught it, I remember hearing, even in, in that stadium, um, I remember hearing Lavelle's voice. You don't, he didn't yell a lot. No, no, no. <laughs> and I started running and 10, 20, 30, and, and, then I, and then it went, yes, yes, yes. So it went from no, 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 you know, you idiot, get away, you know, to yes, he's going to score. So that, that's, that's one of the funny, you know, yeah. memories that I have as an 18-year-old kid because, you know, you're 18. You're, but I thought, well, so what if I fumble it? You know, we're, we're down 29. We're going to get blown out in this game anyways. It'd be, I'll be the last thing anybody remembers that there was a fumble punt, yeah. you know, in the second quarter. So... Oh, that's that's how my mind works. By the way, I just you know, I love the way your mind works that way. I, I would have thought th I kind of think the same way. So, Cal, what do you remember about Lavelle Edwards? What kind of influence did he have on you guys as a couple? Um, I was thinking about this um, today, and and we were talking about it on the on the drive over. We we've stayed in touch, by the way, with Patty. We have we have lunch with Patty. We about, do. I, I about check every in with her. Or, Every month. We come down and see her, and we go to lunch together. Anyways. Yeah. Um, he, he, was, he was just so much more than a coach. You know, he, he was this wonderful father figure to all of these players. And, um, and for us, I remember it was my husband's junior year. He was frustrated with... The, the way things were going, um, he he wasn't playing as much as he wanted to, and he went into Lavelle's office and he said, "Coach, I'm quitting. I'm done. I'm I'm just it's I'm wasting my yeah. time, and um, I, I'm just yeah I'm done." I went to see him because I got tired of yelling at uh, Mike Holmgren, uh, the assistants, uh, uh, um, Norm Chow. All of them. I was screaming, hey, you guys have no idea what you're doing. I need to be in the backfield playing. You know, right. every every uh, special teams coach is scared to death when I'm on the field. And what do you think I would do to a defensive coordinator? So this, <laughs> this is the kind of hubris and the kind of right. idiocy that we're having to deal with. So done with that, I go see Lavelle. Anyways, I'm sorry. No. So he, um, he, he, said, he said to Vi, he said, um, I don't think you should make this decision right now. He's go home and talk to your wife. He says, talk mm -hmm. to Keala because I'm about 98.9% sure that she will say what I would say. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, and I appreciated that when, when I found out later. Sure. So he did, he came home and he told me he was going to quit and he was tired and, you know, frustrated. And, and I knew he had been for quite some time. And I said, um, I just basically told him, I said, I, you know, I don't, I personally don't care about the football aspect of it, but I would not want to live with you with, with any regrets. Right. And I, and I think if you don't stick this out, you might have those regrets. And, 
you're going to be hard to live with. <laughs> um, so he went back in the next day and he said, he said to Lavelle, okay, you know, I'll give it another shot. I'll stick around. And he says, well, you know, what did Kayla say? Actually, he and told so me, he, before he asked what you said, he said, he said to me, that. he said to me, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, you're going to regret. You're going to look back and you're going to wonder what if. And then he said, what did Kayla say? <laughs> yeah. I said, never mind, coach. We're just, we're going to move forward. So, right. But I told him, I said, well, that's what she told me. That I'm going to be hard to live with. If, right. If, if um, you know. And then, and then he and I had a conversation later about it. And what I appreciated so much was um, not only him giving me that opportunity that showed his kind of trust in me, but he, he was always, always giving everybody hope and um, letting them know that he had faith in them. He was all about second chances and just very optimistic. And um, I, I just loved, loved that about Lavelle. Let me just add this. He also told me in that meeting, and you, this is going to sound crazy mm -hmm. to you, Mark, because it sounded crazy to me. He said to me, Vi, you're going to play on Sundays, so wow. just relax, and and you, you're going you're going to play on Sundays. But not everybody in this in, in in the locker room is going to play Sundays. You will. I said, Coach, how in the world am I going to play on Sunday when I don't play on Saturdays? <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Right. The guys that play on Sunday, some of them are great on Saturday, and they don't get to play on Sunday. Right. So. You know, if, if I'm not playing here, I'm not playing at the next level. And this is what he told me. He says, here's why you're going to play on Sunday. Because you have a very special gift that very few people can do. He's talking about returning punts right. and kickoffs. He said, he said if, you have, if there is something that you can do that very few people can do well, he says, not only will you, he says, those are the people that get paid really well. If you can do something that not a lot of other people do, but you do it really well, you're gonna you're gonna be able to, you know, apply your trade at the next level. It's not gonna show here on Saturdays, but he says we've seen enough. And I, he says I think the scouts that come through here, and I know them all. They've all, you know Gil Brandt from the Cowboys, all of them. They all come through here, and I know them well, and they know me. I know them. And he said I know enough about what they do and what they look for, that you have a very unique specialized gift. And people that have that that are able to do something, he said, not even football. Just go outside of football. If there's something that you can do that not a lot, a whole lot of people on the on the planet can do, he says you you're going to be able to do it, and you'll be successful. You'll be at successful it. at it, right? I, I, you know, it's he was brilliant that way. And I've heard so many former players talk about that regarding him that he just saw gifts and talents in them. He and did. steered them in the right direction, i.e. Andy Reid and, oh, yeah. and so many others uh, where he planted those seeds of, okay, here's what you could do in the future. You know Andy Reid was headed to medical school, right? Did no. you know that? No. Andy Reid graduated, I believe, in English, and he's really super smart. I mean, yeah. His mom was like a radiologist, and his dad was a, like an artist yeah. up in L.A. And, 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 and his parents are like, they're small like you and I are. And... And he, he's like, his, his siblings are like 5'7", you know, 5'8". He's 6'3", and he was 250 pounds. 
Like um, in fifth grade. Like in fifth grade. There's a there's a great video. Have you seen the video yes, of him as the pump, pump pass and kick contest? Yeah. Right? He looks like an you know, like college lineman. Yeah. He's, he's 12 or 13 wearing a Rams helmet the, with the right. white, you know, yeah. horn. And everybody else, is, you know, looks like they're, you know. Well, if anyone out there hasn't ever seen that video, you need, to, you need to look hilarious. it up because it is funny. It looks like a, a grown man playing right. catch with, with little kids in elementary school, right? Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to talk a little bit today about missionary work, specifically the concept of loving, sharing, and inviting. Uh but we'd love to hear uh, you tell us just a little bit more about your experiences with that. You guys have lived in different parts of the country. You've been involved in missionary work most of your life. You've had people into your home. You've taught them the gospel. So maybe share with us just some of your thoughts on this great concept of loving, sharing, and inviting and how it works and how it doesn't work sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we can give you a lot on how it doesn't work. Uh, we're, we're experts at that. No, you know... Here's the thing with uh, with love, share, and invite it. Um, I know the you know I, I know this I know enough about the senior brethren being around them um, on a daily basis that you know they their intention is not for it to be programmatic um, so that this is another program that the church has and they they don't even want you know they don't want it on bumper stickers they, right um, but but there is um, there is something about even the the concept love, share, and invite. There's a reason why love is first in a sequence of things. Love. You've talked you about share, that before, haven't you? And then, and then invite. That we don't invite first and then love comes third, right? Love should be foremost in, in our uh, associations and our relationships. And I think, but for us, um, you know, Cal wanted to serve a mission, but we got married. She was a freshman. Um, she was 18. I was 21 when we got married. But I always told Keala that that the more than BYU, more than playing football, the one thing that really shaped my life was my mission experience. It just really shaped my life in how I um, how I view the world, how I how I see people, um, my my relationships with others, just. You know, and 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 my faith in 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 God and my testimony was strengthened by those experiences. And I said to her, "Whatever I, I don't know what we're going to do for a living. I, don't, I honestly don't know what we'll do for a living. But whatever it is that we do, um, we're going to have people taught in our home. I want people taught in our home, and I want our children to grow up having a memory or memories of." participating in lessons and so we you know we didn't know I was going to play in the NFL as I just shared but we went to St. Louis first couple of years then team moved to Phoenix and then we went to Green Bay Wisconsin and we our last stop was in Philadelphia but every one of those places we had people come to our home and, and they were taught not everybody was baptized in fact very few people right were baptized from those experiences however my, my children have grown up um, having memories of people taught in our home and that they participated in them. And, and I think that that shaped who they are. And, and honestly, it helped our parenting. Um, you know, this is a parenting podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Right. right? It's, about well, it's about the family, family yeah. And, about, and, you know, parenting is a big part of the family. Um, we, like everyone who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we wanted our, we had three sons. 
uh, and a daughter. Um, but we wanted our three sons. We wanted all our kids to serve missions. Um, our daughter, like her mother, got married. Was she 18 when she got 19. married? 19. Oh, she was 19. She was a little bit older. She, she had a little bit more experience when she got married. Uh, had that full extra year. Yeah, there. right. But we wanted our sons, you know, to be able to go serve missions. And um, and, and, and we just kind of, you know, honestly, we kind of stumbled on on, on, on on this one thing, which is this. I think more than any other thing that you can do to help your children, if, if you have sons you want them or daughters, you want them to go on missions, have people taught in your home, because their their participation in that um, will be a memory that will be so um, seared into their into souls, their souls yeah. that um, that they they'll never forget it. And so our, our kids have had all kinds of people. The the event that we had uh, at BYU a couple of weeks ago for prospective missionary. Yes, the missionary event. You bet. Cute little girl came you know, bouncing up and to meet us afterwards. And there was a line of people that wanted to come and say hi. Hey, thank you for coming. Little girl steps up and she says to me, you baptized my father. And I said, well, who's your dad? <laughs> I don't recognize you. She says, my dad is Chad Hawes. Oh my gosh. And Cal and I looked at her and we said, you are Chad and Marilyn Hawes' daughter. And I, I don't remember Kayla. her name. Kayla. <laughs> She's a, I thought she was a freshman. It turns she's out a junior. she's a junior at BYU. And, but her father was taught in our home in New Jersey and I baptized him. Wow. And, um, and he married, he married, uh, um, his wife is Filipino, but she was there as a nanny mm -hmm. and they met in the ward when I was a bishop. And then they moved, and he finishes, he was an, he's now an engineer and lives in Washington, D.C., but he raised his family in D.C. You know, we've lost track of them, you know, over the last 20 years or so, but here's his daughter. I didn't even know she was at BYU. She's a junior, you know, but anyways, <laughs> those kinds of experiences are they're just, you know, to us, they're, they're just precious. And as, as those youth participate, we always like to say that participation leads to conversion, right? Mm -hmm. And you guys saw that in the lives of your own children, right? As they were participating and helping in the teaching and in the finding and whatever else, oh, yeah. you just saw their conversion deep into their desires to be missionaries, I'm sure, one day really solidified. And I had an epiphany. Yeah, yeah go ahead, hon. No, I, I, I agree 100%. They, and our boys went to um, an all-boys Catholic high school and had many opportunities to bear testimony without saying that they're bearing testimony, you right. know, speak of the church, um, share doctrine with a lot of their, you know, high school classmates. And that was another wonderful great testimony builder, way, right. right. And a way to prepare for their missions. I, and I was telling, I think I was telling you this earlier that, uh, um, I think each of our sons baptized somebody before they, mm -hmm. they, they went on their missions. Um, one boy baptized. There was a there was a older African American African American couple that we were home teaching, and um, with one of my boys, and and the wife was a member a convert. Her husband was not, and um, so um, one of the boys just that I can't remember which one it was challenged. We went to visit the couple one night and. And he says, uh, Brother Dix, uh, I'm preparing and planning to go on a mission. 
and you're not a member, uh, I'd like to baptize you. <laughs> and Raymond Dick says, uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. What do we have to do? And I, first of all, when he started into the challenge, I was like stepping on his foot, going, "Hey, back off!" We don't, know? we don't start with this, right? right? <laughs> and I, I was shocked that he said, "Yeah, um, sure." My, you know, I, my wife's a member, and we come to church anyways, and might as and, well. Uh, yeah. and, and he said, "Nobody's ever really invited me." Wow. Well, I'm looking at, and I think it was Landon, mm -hmm. and uh, Landon said, "Well, we have to go through the discussions, but." Uh, but I'd like to, you know, we'll, we'll get the, the full-time missionaries involved, but, I, you know, we'd like to participate, and and we did. Yeah. And he was taught, you know, I think over a month, five mm -hmm. weeks, and then landed baptized. And that couple, they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary by being sealed in the Washington, D.C. Temple. The Philadelphia Temple had not been built yet, so... Um, so How that cool. Was, it was just, you know, th that those kinds of experiences and, and um, you know. Um, that is awesome. And, so so what about this? What about the fact that here you guys are living in Philadelphia. You're practically celebrities at that point, right? How easy did that make it to share the gospel or did it make it even awkward in some ways? <laughs> I, I think I think it's a... I think it's a push. You may feel differently, honey, but but to me, I think it's a push because, um, yes, there are advantages because when people know you and you invite people, I think when you have celebrity status, they're more inclined to, yeah, hey, I'd like to come to your house. <laughs> um, but that there, therein lies the problem. People just want to come over and, hey, yeah. Let's, well, get, a, let's get a picture. Let's right. get a selfie. For, the, for their own reasons. For their own yeah. reasons. And, right. so, and then it becomes harder to filter out what, you know. Why um, they're there. So that's yeah. why I think it's a push. I think it, 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 it becomes, um, you know, we're, we're really like everyone. We're like everybody in the church. We, there's, you know, we all have something. We all have something to give and offer and um but 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 we're all challenged by the same things. Whether we have a personality, we're you know um, we're introverted, like a lot of people are. Um, you know, we're Polynesians, so most Polynesians are very outgoing and they're you know out front and sure. And um, part of it is because I think just our culture, we perform. You know, <laughs> everybody does the every guy that I know does the haka and. And, uh, While they're and, playing the ukulele, right? Right, but all at the same time, and, and twirling a fire knife with the other hand. <laughs> yeah, right. And 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 most girls know how to do a hula. Um, so so we're gregarious and we're you know sure uh, you going that way. So but most, but a lot of people aren't that way. A lot of people are, but but but, but we're also whether you're Polynesian or w whatever you are, Hispanic or white or black, we all have the same fear. Of rejection, right? I mean, that's just universal. Right. I mean, everybody worries about that, and how, you know, what are people going to think about us? And um, so we, we we suffer from the same things that everybody else does. I just don't as much. I I, I honestly, I, I think maybe the the fact that I played football, I just feel like, eh, you know, if if uh, if I. What do we have to lose? We got nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. We got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Selling out right here. I'm going to ask them the Good. question. Exactly. And, yeah. and if they if they don't, they don't. But we, we, we've had some epic fails in our lives, too, that have just been... Uh, our kids still talk about it. I, I was going to show you the pictures. I, when you told me this was a podcast, in my mind, I'm thinking that we're going to be on... 
You're used to being the anchor man. Yeah, I think we, there's going to be a video involved. Yeah. No podcast. It's on. It's audio. <laughs> but but we can we can post those pictures. Can for you? Sure. Okay, I'll send yeah. I'll send you some of the pictures. We'll tell you the story. So one day, can I share? Please. So here's our, our epic fail. Is this? Um, one of the epic. Fails. One of the epic fails. <laughs> we have a neighbor in New Jersey. Lives directly across the street. It's Khalid El Wadabi. Um, they're they're Muslim. And um, his wife, Iman, is just, they're just a beautiful couple. He's a surgeon, and they've got five cute little kids. And I, I've got my two sons out there um, in New Jersey. They're both visiting. They, one is married, and the other one's in school, and they're home for the summer, I think. So Keala had uh, a pile of uh, mulch. mulch. We're mulching. We've mulched the whole, the whole yard, and, and now there's still a pile left. And um, so he said, hey, we'll, we'll take the mulch and we'll mulch the Abu Dhabi's uh, home. So we started over there. Wife pulls in in her minivan. She, oh, hey, that's so nice. My husband's always busy. He hasn't been able to get to it. But thank you for doing that. I said, well, we don't have enough for the whole house, but we, you know, we just, we'll do the front yard. She says to me, uh, with her window rolled down and the kids are in the back, she says, hey, how about we invite you guys to come have dinner with us um, next week? And I said, "Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> what are you gonna make?" And they're um, they're from uh, the Middle East. I can't remember the, the country. She said, "Yeah, I'll make some Middle Eastern food. Would you like that?" Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? It's my favorite food. I've never eaten. Said, <laughs> of course, you say that. But, yeah, but now you say, "Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite." We love food. that. I love that. <laughs> so we go the next week. We we go over to their place, and here's what happened. I I. Worked for NBC and I covered the Olympics every two years. And I had gone to cover one of the Summer Olympic Games. And um, I don't know if you remember the guy. His name is uh, Frankie Fredericks from BYU. Yeah, you know the sprinter. Name? The sprinter. sprinter. Yeah. He's in the I O. He's in the uh, Olympic Committee in uh, I think Namibia is his country. He had sent me a package while I was at the Olympics, and I opened it, and there are these. Beautiful um, linen, robes. linen robes that you've seen yeah. Middle Eastern men or African men wear. They're just, they're, they're like dresses. Right. They go down to the ankle. They're just beautiful. And so I opened them and I thought, I thought that they were Muslim. So I told my sons, hey, why don't we wear these over to dinner? It'll be impressive for them to see that we have these clothes. Yeah. And, and one son said that. You're nuts. I'm not wearing that. Or I'm going to wear, you know, jeans and, and a polo <laughs> shirt. But I've got a son, my youngest son, Trey. He's the one that looks most like me. And unfortunately, he thinks the most like me. <laughs> he said, Dad, that's an awesome idea. <laughs> yes. So we both wear these long linen yeah. um, dresses over. And I even told my wife and my daughter-in-law and my daughter, Lana, I said, why don't you guys wear scarves, head scarves, and cover your... Well, no, we're not doing that. I think you'd be respectful to them. Right. Should wear it. No, no, we're not doing that. All right, so we're, we're arguing we about this. We took some in our, in our purse. I said, well, yeah. just, yeah. So just in case. Yeah. We're going to knock on their door, and, and Cal, Khalid, Khalid opens the door. He's standing there in jean shorts. Yeah. So now I'm thinking. In a tank top. Uh, yeah, a T-shirt. I'm thinking, oh, okay. So he sees me and my son. We're both in these linen <laughs> long linen robes he doesn't say anything we walk in we sit down we have dinner and i'm thinking okay that's kind of strange maybe you know he's gonna say something 
Over dinner, Khalid says, by the way, you want to tell us about what you're wearing? Is that, you know? And I said, I thought you would. Aren't these, I thought you could tell me what I'm wearing exactly. here. Aren't these Muslim robes? He goes, no, they look African. <laughs> and, and at that point, my wife's kicking me out of the table. And, and so is the other son who didn't wear, who went, came in jeans. Okay, uh, this is not going well. And we went into the evening. And he asked me, he said, hey, I see you leave your house every Sunday. You're uh, early in the morning. You're always in the shirt and tie. Where, where do you go? I said, well, we go to church. He goes, oh, what? you know, so he started telling me. And I told him, I said, have you ever heard of the Book of Mormon? He goes, yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of the play. Yeah. I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's, you know, it's based on the Book of Mormon. He, and so I started explaining him the Book of Mormon. And, um, and I said, Khalid, would you, I know you're Muslim. But would you be willing to accept a Book of Mormon for me if I gave you one? He says, I would love that. What a what a great gift. He's he like, says, if you just take those clothes off, I'm yeah, happy right. to take that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then he said, I'll give he says, I'll accept it on one condition. What is that? Would you accept a Quran for me? Oh my gosh. I almost started crying. He hmm. went to the shelf, picked, he pulled out a Quran. He said, this is the Quran. Then he explained to me what the Quran was. Right. And I knew a little bit, but he, he gave me some, you know, more basic information. And I explained to him what the Book of Mormon was. And, and I marked, um, you know, um, Moroni 10, 3 through 5 and some other verses. Um, my favorite, Second mm -hmm. Nephi 25, 26. I marked those verses. And I said, I, said, I, I hope you'll read it. And, and uh, so we had, a, we had a, you know, a gift exchange and, and, um, and you know they're Muslim, yeah. um, and and I understood you know they've got some restrictions, and and and, and maybe even some danger in converting to right. Christianity. So, but we remained good friends, good friends until the day we left. Mm -hmm. They came and you know saw us off and gave us hugs. And their daughter Miriam walked our dog every, every time we left to go someplace. Miriam came and walked our dog. She had keys to the house and came in and out. But, wow! But great uh, relationship. But it was there. a great relationship that we that we established with them, and we you know remained good friends. It was just just a great experience. Respected each other's beliefs, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and understanding each other's beliefs and and uh, knowing more about them. Yes. Um, as Muslims, and you know what they, but but they're you know they have five little. Uh, children, I think three girls and two boys, and it's what's clear to me is how much they honor and they love their faith family and, and their faith. family, mm -hmm. and how important it is to them. He's a surgeon, um, and you know sometimes I think he's on call, so he he works overnight shifts, um, but he, he you know I see him you know out there pitching the you know, soft toss to his little boys as they hit the ball with the plastic bat. Just all the things that you expect a good father to, to do. Be. Yeah. yeah. And and they have and they have health codes and you know, in, in their faith as we do, right? They don't drink alcohol and they don't eat pork and there's other things that they do. But it's 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 fascinating. Um and but you know that was that was our experience with the uh, with with uh, with the next you know, with, with your neighbors across the street across the street from us. 
Wow, what a great! Thank you for sharing that. And the dress that we wore. Yeah, in your that outfits. Was Af- that was African, <laughs> and was not uh, was not Muslim at all. <laughs> Didn't know? get the reaction you were hoping, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, man, wow. That's, I went over there and said, and even uh, addressed him as they opened the door, "Assalamu alaikum," you know. So they. Yeah. Uh, so I, we had practiced all, you know, everybody practiced and. He was just shaking his head like, what are you, yeah. what are and you he's doing? In jean shorts yeah. and a t-shirt. Wondering, what is Sikahema wearing over here? Well, Vi and Kala, thank you so much, so much for these great insights. So wonderful to hear some of these things, especially about loving, sharing, and inviting. Thank you so much for coming down today from Salt Lake and spending time with us. We're so grateful for both of you. And we look forward to segment two coming up soon. 